pray and then we'll jump in here. Father, we are so thankful for this day and for all the grace that you've given to us. And um, I pray that you would help us now as we want to talk about you and your word. Um, give us understanding. And um, Lord, just continue to teach us how to receive grace from you. We thank you that you, that's what you do. You, you give us grace and we're in great need of it. We come together as your people to worship you um, in some awesome way. That's what's happening. Um, we're not bringing anything to you. You're still serving us and giving us uh, grace. And um, through that, we're able to worship. And we praise you for it. And uh, pray that you would continue to teach us more about you and your ways. And um, give us a great love for your word. And just teach us to lean, trust more in Christ. And uh, thank you for all your people that you gathered here in this congregation. And um, just what a blessing they are to us and our family. And we pray that you'll continue to grow us together. And uh, continue to bring us people that will hear the word and be saved. And um, and there's uh, new people here and there. And we thank you for that. And uh, just pray that you bless and um, we just trust you do your will we pray for these names that were mentioned we pray for those around us who are lost that especially the ones we know in our families that need christ um, <coughs> pray for them to be able to hear the gospel and be saved we pray for uh susan's dad and the healing of his foot pray for um kids and grandkids with sicknesses all kinds of sicknesses right now we pray for that and for uh, melissa's uh, son that needs to be selling cars and just for business and income, and uh, we just pray that uh, you take care of us all in that way. And um, we also ask that you would continue to bless Linda and, uh, and James and um, any others that we think about, and maybe we've mentioned before, we lift them up to you. Uh, thank you for the good news that uh, Michael and them have been blessed with, and uh, how awesome AC is, and we thank you for that for the conveniences that you've given to us and the things that we enjoy and that we live by. Um, forgive us for taking for granted all those great and awesome things that we have. Um, we just love you and thank you for Jesus most of all. And we put our faith and trust in him. Amen. There's a little uh, a little friend of Anna's that's here, and um, I'm not sure they have much church experience at all. Our dad moved here from Miami, and he w he used to work in the store up here where's I, where I met him, and uh, great guy. But um, so Anna's been talking to her, and so he had told me that she wanted to come, and I thought he was going to come with us tonight. But um, so I, I've been all day trying to figure out how am I going to talk about. Uh, good works and and uh, and get to the gospel and so forth. But uh, anyways, he said he wasn't coming. He brought her and dropped her off, which is still awesome. And she seems happy to be here. So okay. Right. Well, I think, and I hope so. That would be awesome. Yeah. She's a sweet kid, and uh, Jordan. Yeah, uh, I hope they. I hope they will. Um, he may have 
a, a Catholic background, the dad, but I, I haven't got to talk to him very much about it. So we ran into him in the store the other night. So I really was like, hey, man, you need to bring your daughter and come because she's wanting to come, and I hope y'all can. And so he took all the information. And so anyways, just wanted to let y'all know about that. So chapter 16, Good Works. Uh, a couple of you still, this is your first time here when we're talking about Good Works, but um, I, I laid this out because I think it's so important and awesome to see that um, chapters 10 through 15 really highlight a lot of the order of salvation and adoptions of justification and adoption and all those things. And so even though just prior to that there was a chapter on free will, you know, if you look at the way the the um, if you look at the way the confession is ordered, structured, you know it starts with God and creation and providence and then the fall and then covenant and then Christ and then it does get to free will, but then it comes into this idea of effectual calling, justification, all those things, and repentance unto life that we spend a good bit of time talking about, and then it finally gets to good works, so that we make sure. You can't talk about good works in the context of justification because they're not there. There is no, in fact, today, the things we'll read today point this out. There are no good works that will commend us to God and play any part in justification. And I was just listening today to a podcast about Richard Baxter. I don't know if y'all know Richard Baxter, but, um, and I didn't even realize this. I've read some of his stuff. I've probably quoted him before, but in the area of justification, he was, he was mixed up. I mean, he really taught a, a Catholic view of eventually our works play a part in us being justified in the end. And um, But he's written a, he had written a book about, I think it's called The Reformed Pastor. And so a lot of Reformed people use him, quote him, and uh, use him for saint, the idea of sanctification, his teaching on sanctification. But as this guy was pointing out in the podcast, if his idea of justification is jacked up, we don't need to listen to his idea of sanctification either. <laughs> because his idea of sanctification is it gives you the justification. So it's backwards. And so... Um, Isn't that where Piper gets out of my Yeah, I mean, he's in that... He's there. There's quite a few people that surprisingly are there that seem to be in that. They at least lean toward that. And it's a very dangerous place to lean toward. So, there's a few other people that are there. And, yeah. Well, even uh, G.K. Bill has been accused of being in that camp. And I haven't ever heard that, G.K. Bill, but um, D.A. Carson, is a, I mean, there's a lot of guys that they kind of get lumped together. But, um, I think Keller's in that group, too. Yeah, Tim Keller was all up, every group. Communist group, everything else. Yeah, he had a lot more. He really did. Anyways, just just making the point that, and, and I know all of you know this because we talk about it all the time. But um, our good works do not play a part in our, our our justification at all, and the good works that are ours are. Um, they're God's works, and they're, they're Christ, and he gets the glory for it. And I love that the confession points this out. So I'm not going to stop. I do want to read back just for context these first uh, four, and then I'll get to five and six and seven, and we'll finish up. 
Good works are only those works that God has commanded in his holy word. I think that's very important. Works that do not have this want are invented by people out of a blind zeal or on a pretense of good intentions, and they are not truly good. So we, we talked about that. I said I wasn't going to comment. They, you know, we do a lot. We see people do nice things, and we think, well, that's good. Well, it might be nice, but it's not good in the sense that they, they come from righteousness, right? And the only kind of works that can be called good are those that come from righteousness, and the only ones that are righteous are the ones that Christ does. And so even when we do a good work, it's Christ doing good work through us, right? So at the end of the day, we can't turn around and say, wow, you know, I'm doing pretty good because um, it's Christ that's good and not us. These good works done in obedience to God's commandments are the fruit and evidence of a true and living faith. Through good works, believers express their thankfulness, strengthen their assurance, build up their brothers and sisters, adorn the profession of the gospel, stop the mouths of opponents, and glorify God. Believers are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works so that they bear fruit leading to holiness and have the outcome of eternal life. The outcome of eternal life because of perseverance. Of course, we'll have the outcome of eternal life, not because we do good works, but um, because God does them through us. It's proof that we belong to him. Their ability to do good works does not arise at all from themselves, but entirely from the Spirit of Christ. To enable them to do good works, they need, in addition to the graces they have already received, an actual influence of the same Holy Spirit to work in them to will them to do his good pleasure. Yet this is no reason for them to grow negligent, as if they were not required to perform any duty without a special motion of the Spirit. Instead, they should be diligent to stir up the grace of God that is in them. So sometimes I think that we just get mixed up in a lot of ways. We are to be obedient. Even we don't want to be obedient. We look at the Word and know that this is the Word of God for us. And we shouldn't sit around and pray, Lord, just, I want to obey your Word, but I need you to make me do it. You know, I want to go to church, but I'm not going to go till you get me up out of the bed and take me to church. I mean, no. You go to church and trust that by being gathered with the people of God and being obedient, then God's going to do what he does through you. And that's the way this works. In other words, some of the things that we're accused of as Calvinists, our confessions won't even allow. And the Bible certain doesn't, certainly doesn't allow. So I'm not teaching my people, just sit around and do nothing because God does it all. Though God does it all, you still, I'm, you still, hey, you can read the Bible. What does it say to do? Well, then do it. And you say, well, I can't do it. I know, but Christ can do it through you. And, and the truth is, we talked about this, even if we do the things that are, are commanded of us and we obey them, the reason we have to be careful to, that, not to call them good works or be careful when we speak about being good is because even when we do them, they're still tainted with all of our sin and our evil thoughts. You're right. And Because uh, I've said this before, and, and it's just honesty. I've done something I know is right, whether I've helped somebody give somebody something, and I can't even keep my mind from thinking Boy, they'll they'll appreciate this. Yeah. Well, they'll say something good about me, and I'm not wanting that. But in my flat, that's where my mind goes. Oh, they'll pat me on the back for this. You know, I might get my picture in the paper. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And 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 so, um, I think it's one of those things that when we really truly see something that's obedience and according to what God has commanded. Rather than us go, man, I'm starting to get the hang of this. It really, that just brings us back to Christ. Wow, I mean, God can do this through me. God can use 
this to bring glory to himself and work out a good work through me? How's he do that? You know, because I don't want to do the good works. Anyways, I think it gets to some of that in a, again in a minute. Those who uh, those who attain the greatest heights of obedience possible in this life are far from being able to merit reward by going beyond duty or to do more than God requires. Instead, they still fall short of much that is their duty to do. So I love that, that even if you're thinking you're doing great, you're still so short. And I think this, I mean, man, you know how much it would have helped me if I would have just read that sentence like 25 years ago? Would you believe it? I, don't, I mean, I probably couldn't have, but yeah. I'm just saying if I would have been having been taught this, if people would have been standing in front of me teaching me this, instead we're teaching a pietism that you can achieve this if you just keep doing this. If you'll keep doing your quiet times and keep reading the Bible and uh, doing this much prayer and this and that, we teach people you can achieve these these things. And, and well, the hard thing is, it's the wheat and the tear. They they look they look identical. Mm-hmm. You can't tell. And so people stand up there and they just preach what they see or what they think Scripture tells them, and it's it's what a true believer would do. Mm-hmm. But the intents are different. Yeah, well, one doing it because it's the law, or one doing it because, well, they want to. They want to be around those people, or they want to do this. There's a there's a desire there that's more than just doing it because of the law. Yeah, well, even then, the fact that you're doing it because the Holy Spirit is doing it yes. is the only thing that makes it good. And that's what right. I mean. That's what Section Seven yeah. says. Well, that's that's the application. I mean, sure, there's no yeah. way that we can make it any. We can't do good works like that. Right. It must be applied by the Holy Spirit or it wouldn't be effective. Right. Yep. Yep. So we get to section five where we, I don't think we've hardly got to yet, but we've kind of talked about it. We'll just read through it and maybe look at a few of these passages. We cannot even by our best works merit pardon of sin or eternal life from God's hand due to the huge disproportion between our works and the glory to come and the infinite distance between us and God. By these works, we can neither benefit God nor satisfy Him for the debt of our former sins. When we have done all we can, we have only done our duty and are unprofitable servants. Since our good works are good, they must proceed from His Spirit, and since they are performed by us, they are defiled and mixed with so much weakness and imperfection that they cannot withstand the severity of God's punishment. And I mentioned last week when I read that, last sentence there it reminds me of um, what Bunyan said about his prayers when he said even my best prayer has enough sin in it to condemn the whole world to hell <laughs> and uh, I remember I quoted that one time and man people jumped all over me about that I mean that doesn't even make sense you're telling me that you're sinning while you're praying if I'm awake even when I'm not awake I'm I'm tr- I'm probably dreaming about sinfulness. King David in Psalm makes a reference to that that their the sin of their prayer would be held against them. If the sin be iniquity, or their prayer be iniquity. Yeah. Well, and even trying to, I mean, so many times. I mean, I, you know, I really believe prayer is true. Prayer only comes from the Spirit, anyways. Like Romans chapter seven says, we don't even know how to talk to God. I mean, the Spirit has to make utterance for us on our behalf. So I would say, yeah, most of, I mean, I get what Bunyan's saying. Because <laughs> even, how many times am I praying? It's totally selfish. 
and not in the will of God, like he says, because not according to what uh, I know to be true and what the word is and, um, and, that, and all the other things that we all know that our sinful brains just do. And, and um, Anyways, I, I like that sentence. Um, there's some passages there. Again, I, I think the first part of that sentence we kind of already talked about. I'm not sure anybody here is confused and thinking that they're going to do something that will commend them, them to God. By this point, um, y'all wouldn't be coming to church here still this long if y'all thought that <laughs> y'all are working your way to heaven. I hope. I did hear uh, angels singing about that. Yeah. So. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, that's the, again, that is the sole difference between biblical Christianity and every other religion that's ever been invented by man. And I love, we talked about this the first night we were together, that the reason that first, that first sentence says on, the only thing that's good is that which God has commanded in Scripture is because man always wants to do two things. One, pull God's word out of context, and two, make a religion for himself, an, an idol that he can worship. And, and... I was listening to a, a local, there's a local pastor here of a church that's not a Baptist church. But um, if I, and when I tell you this, you probably can guess what kind of church it is, but he does commercial on radio. And, and I could tell the other day this commercial started out about sports. Don't you like to play sports? When you played sports, didn't you practice to get better? I mean, doesn't that make sense to practice to get better? And I could just like, Okay, so I, I usually turn it, but I'm like, okay, I got to see where this goes. It sure enough went right where I thought it would. Well, then, if you want to go to heaven, doesn't it just make sense that you got to get better to go to heaven? And it went through this whole thing. I mean, there's no way you wouldn't consider doing the right things. And if you do the right things, then you go to heaven. And, um, oh, lots of people. Yeah. I mean, friends that I know and love, friends that I work with people that I think are fine people and and I will say this since you know who it is I listened to a podcast um, not long ago of a pastor who's now reformed in a reformed church who came out of that he was a professor at the biggest um, school uh, college in America that's supported by that um, denomination mm-hmm. and, and he pointed this out he said, you know, I will say this about our, that denomination. We do believe the Bible's true. I mean, and they don't teach anything else. They don't have another something. They only teach the Bible. Now, they teach it from that perspective very wrongly. But he said it was, it was what I was taught, the love of the Scriptures, and that the Bible is true no matter what, that once I started hearing gospel truth, he said I was confronted with, that can't be true. But I believe the Bible is the Word of God, and it says it. And he, and then he started going to R.C. Sproul conferences for some reason. <laughs> and then uh, he was like, "Yeah." And actually brought it back. He and all of his elders um, in that in that church came back, and they tried to teach their church. But of course, eventually they were just like, "Y'all got to leave. We can't have this here." But um, and it was through his son because here's the one thing he said. Uh, I'll have to find that podcast and, and tell y'all what it is to listen to it. Um, I think it was actually Iron Sharpens Iron, which y'all might be familiar with. Um, 
He said, my son was the one that brought it to me at the school. He said, I'm sitting in here getting ready to teach a, um, a seminary class, and my son starts telling me something that when I heard it, I said, well, if that's true, then salvation is only by grace. It can't be anything else. And he's like, yeah, Dad. And he said, and before long, he said, it just broke me apart, and, and that's the only thing I could conclude. And uh, So anyways, even though I am at times very um, brokenhearted by the amount of people I know that are there, I just have to trust that God will do what he does through his word. I mean, at some point, you have to think, because you try to talk to them, they're very... Um, very difficult to I mean getting anybody out of works oriented salvation thought is difficult because I mean that's what you're banking on I've done this I've done it even though they think you can do it and get it undone you have to do it again but it's a hard thing to get people out of and I think that's what I mean look at the reformation why why was the catholic church willing to kill people over this because man it was you're wrecking the very foundation of what... I mean, you, if you can't teach that pe- that heaven could be earned and all their money-making mm-hmm. schemes are out the window. Yeah. Well, and you know, you just resorted to greed, right? Yeah. Because we got to keep this going because we need the money for these people mm-hmm. to keep this going. So we got to... Well, I mean, that's, that's nothing new. I mean, look at the right. Pharisees. That's but if you, if, you, if you just look at what Jesus said to the Pharisees, I don't know how you can get there. Um, if anybody could do it by works, they were there. Mm-hmm. Paul even said that blameless through the law. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. He was the chief of Pharisees. Yeah. Pharisee above both Pharisees, right? Well, it's like, a, it's like he a, did it all wrong. I think every other uh, mistake is when you come to the Bible with that in mind. Yeah, well, yeah. So I'm going to find how the Bible teaches me to work to get to God and the things i got to do. Right. And, I like my list. Mm-hmm. And well, and it's easy, you know. Everybody, I think everybody does. I love, I love a checklist. And I like black and white. It's like I said. It's like I said about our um, our old church covenant used to hang on the wall. There's only like eleven or twelve things, and you could come in, look at that thing, and be like, man, I checked all them boxes this week. Uh, and it was never things that I, n- nothing positive, like things I should have been doing. It's just things I had to abstain from. Yeah. And you can abstain from things even though you really want to do them, you just don't go do them. Or you don't even have the means to go do them. But we never talked about that. We never talked about, you know, things like Jesus saying, well, adultery is wrong, but, you know, lusting in your heart's adulterous. And uh, we, don't, we don't want to care to that level. And, and once you get there, and of course you, you do care to that level, then you understand that works-based salvation will never work. How on earth could I, number one, if I'm dead, how am I going to come alive? Yeah. And how am I going to make myself alive? But I've been amazed to hear what Baptists do with all that. I mean, I was in the seminary where the president stood and preached a sermon about that, I mean, dead in Ephesians 2, dead in your sin and trespasses is not really, it's not dead like we think of dead. You know, it's it's dead from. I mean, I can't remember. It's so long ago. <laughs> and even then, I wasn't even where I am now. But I was thinking, I mean, what else could dead mean? I don't understand why. But then, of course, I didn't see now what I see. I didn't see then what I see now. He had to do that, or else he'd have to be where I am. 
because if he if we're really dead, there's nothing we can do. And the court and like I said, this was Southern Baptist. This was a president of the Southern Baptist Convention that was saying that dead is not really dead. Anyways, um, how we get off on all that? Are we have I read number six yet? Nevertheless, believers are accepted through Christ, and thus their good works are also accepted in Him. This acceptance does not mean our good works are completely blameless and irreproachable in God's sight. Instead, God views them in His Son, and so He is pleased to accept and reward that which is sincere, even though it is accompanied by many weaknesses and imperfections. And again, this what a what a brilliant way to word that so that it makes sense and it gives glory to God and that even again even if we do something that's right and good and when we do they're accepted because of Christ and not because of us and and again you know it, it seems like well man y'all just kick people's self esteem down well I mean yeah because the only joy and and acceptance we have is in Christ. And it's not that you can't walk up and say, hey, man, you did a good job today. Thanks for teaching Sunday school. Good job. Or thanks for putting the chairs out. That was awesome. I appreciate that. You know, I'm not going to say, you know, I'm surprised you got them chairs lined up. You're so wretched and pathetic. I mean, <laughs> we wouldn't do that. You know, or y'all could say, I don't know how that sermon came out of your lips because we're surprised anything other than filth. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think, again, I think we get it, we, we try to go way too far in either ditch. Um, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that. And I think when you're taught correctly, you'll know that, man, if somebody's seen something good in me, then that's because God has worked a great thing through me because of Christ. And it keeps us, I mean, I think I think the Bible tries to keep us, I don't try, but it, it it's one of its aim is to keep us hu- uh, humble. So right? we, we have some friends, we, well, they used to be friends, they're not anymore, they were, uh, their favorite pastor was Perry Stone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> she, Karen was talking to Brenda one day, our friend, and um, I guess they were talking about this kind of thing, works, and Karen said, you know, it's, we're, we're wretched, we, 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 we don't produce anything good, kind of run along that lines, and I guess Karen talked in such a way that Brenda asked her, um, do, I, do I talk you down, do I beat you? Oh, yeah, are you abused? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, see, I don't think it, I think that you can build, we can build each other up sure without and still have that understanding of right. what I, I can still have that understanding. I mean, my wife is good at building me up mm-hmm. and encouraging me, but I still know how wretched and sinful I am, you know? And, and I think that, I mean, obviously she does too. She lives with me, but she, I, I, I don't think that's wrong, but um, it is proper to have, if we don't have that perspective, um, then it just leads to a pietistic understanding and before long, I think I think it's one of the reasons that we do get so comfortable. We don't ever want to be comfortable in our sinfulness, but we also don't want to be ignorant of it. And sometimes we just, I think that pietism, if you got a checklist and you're keeping the checklist, 
then it caused you to miss all the other stuff. I think like with the Pharisees, man, you got all these things that, okay, y'all made this up and you're keeping it because it's stuff you made up that you could do. But like Jesus said, but you're neglecting the weightier matters of the law. You know, you tithe, and even down to the cumin and the mint, I mean, you're willing to show everybody how much you tithe. But, you know, they they didn't love their neighbor, and they didn't they didn't really love God. I mean, they loved themselves, and, and the list could go on. Um, this one passage right here, 1 Peter 2, 5, You yourselves are like living stones and being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. And that's, I mean, again, we are made in Christ Jesus unto good works, that we should walk in them. And we will. And I think that's what that earlier paragraph talked about, the confidence and assurance that we have that we belong to God or those good works that are working through us. But I don't think it means go out and do some good works in hopes that through them good works you'll get some assurance. But I think that's just God doing those things, uh, you know, uh, that gives us the assurance and hope because we recognize, man, I wouldn't have done that. I mean, that has to be something outside of me or literally something in me that came from outside of me that's now in me and making me want to do these things or live differently or whatever it is. Um, I was going to say something else, but I forgot Y'all have any other comments about that? Because I was thinking about that. Um, I was listening to something today about worship and talking about how, um, and I think I, I think I might have said it in, in my prayer earlier. Even when we worship, we think we're coming to give stuff. You know, there's even songs. I remember I was thinking about, I used to sing this song. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to, uh, what does it say? You're my God, and I can't remember all the words. But I was thinking wrong-headedly that, man, I come to church to give God some stuff. Like, God needs something. But we really gather as the people of God to receive. I mean, that's what we do. The supper, even. It's about receiving, man. God, give us more grace. The preaching, the singing, uh, us singing together and hearing each other, that's part of the way God that's what God has given to us to build us up. And so these spiritual sacrifices that we offer are really uh, the things God has given us to give back to him through Christ. And then he blesses it and gives us grace, which is an awesome thing. It's kind of like, again, like prayer. My, my friend used to say he didn't know where he heard this, and y'all might have heard it. But he, he said, true prayer is the breath of God returning from whence it came. And that's kind of the same. I mean, worship is the blessing of God just returning to where it came from. Because uh, I have nothing to bring. And there's a song, something like that. Nothing in my hands I bring. Because I have nothing. Nothing. All right, let's do number seven so we can get, get on to the next one. And I'm so excited this Sunday. I'm going to be in Mark chapter 14. Golly. I'm not doing that. I feel like I've been saved again. Mark one of the pastors was going through Romans Ooh. and skipped over no, he didn't. Romans 9 15 to the end. Just skipped it. I was so disappointed. 
But because they, I mean, he, he believed about it like we do, but he just didn't reach it. Just decided he couldn't do it. Well, at least that's better than teaching it wrongly or not teaching what he thought it said. I had a friend that did the same thing. He he called me even. Man, tell me this. The Roman, he was in seven and eight. He was starting eight at the end of eight. And I talked to him for hours. Like, that's not what Jerry Vine said. I said, well, I know it's not what Jerry Vine said. <laughs> and I, but I said, well, what are you going to do? And he ended up just... He ended up just doing doing that too. I don't think he didn't skip it, but he he got through as fast as he could. And he, but he didn't really believe, you know, the way I believe. And so it was easier for him to say, uh, "I see that, but I don't think I'm gonna buy it." And you know, he can't until he can. All right, number seven: works done by unregenerate people may in themselves be commanded by God and useful to themselves and others. So here we go. People say, well, "What about lost people doing good things?" They can do good things, and it can be useful things, and it can be things that are great. I mean, you look through the Bible. God used um, bad people to bring about good. I mean, he did a lot. He did a lot. That's all he's got. Well, I mean, that's the only choice he's got. But, I mean, he, re- he used unbelievers, what I meant to say, but you're right. Yeah. He's got no choice but to use scoundrels. But he says, yeah, it says, yeah, they do not come oh, from a... They, yet they did not come from a heart purified by faith and are not done in a right manner according to the word nor with a right goal the glory of God therefore they are sinful so even though they're good things and they might help people still sinful because they can't please God through it and they cannot qualify anyone to receive grace we know that and yet if they didn't do them it's even more sinful and displeasing to God than if they do do them and that's just a that's a tough word, but you're like, man. But again, the point being, if there's something good, it's God. You know? And so, because I've heard people say, well, what do you, well, then how do you explain unbelievers and people don't care about church and don't believe God? I mean, they, they give to charities. They do nice things. Yeah, and they should. Because God commands it. It's still simple. And it's not bringing glory to God. Now, he will be glorified upon them one day if they're never believers through their unbelief and their uh, and his righteous indignation and judgment. But... Um, and they say, why would a good God send somebody like that to hell? Mm-hmm. He's doing good things. Yeah, he's doing such good things. He's doing this great charity. Lord, Lord. Yeah, I've got, got some friends we talk about stuff, they'll say, they'll say, I don't believe that. If somebody's a good person, they're not going to hell. Yeah. Why would they do that? Their, their standard is well, when they think of themselves, they think, right. well, there's no way I'm going to hell. I'd be pretty good. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm like? Right. They're all Christians. Yeah. yeah, and everybody on Facebook that dies is a Christian. And they're, looking, they're looking down on us. Yeah, yeah, they're looking everybody down. Everybody that dies on Facebook. They're in a better place. Oh, yeah. Well, I've never been to a funeral where anybody was an unbeliever. Oh, so scoundrel, yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, I've had to... Um, to be honest, say I just don't know. I, mean, I didn't know them. I don't know it. And even when I do know them, I don't know. Well, I know, I know Jesus you know? in Matthew 7 when he's telling about the people who 
on that day say, Lord, Lord. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, they went to church their entire life. They did good things, and they died thinking they were going to heaven. They woke up in judgment. And yeah. Even called him Lord, which is amazing. Lord, Lord. Mm -hmm. Repetitive is just, you know. So, so. And again, I think the point of that is to don't be, stop thinking that you can do something. Can do something. It's not about what you can do. Right. It's about who he is and what Christ has done. And about what he does. Yeah. Therefore, it's not about your works in the first place. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because the only reason he would say, depart from me, I never knew you. So he didn't know. He didn't call them and they weren't saved. And it's sad, though, to, that the church is the one trying to teach people that they're okay. I mean, I, I run into it all the time. But that's the default. I mean, that's what the flesh wants to do is yeah. to fix it. I have something to do. I need to do something. I can fix this now that I've been told what the problem is. That's our default, to run mm -hmm. to... But then we can follow the rules. Yeah. And we end up like Sarah and Hagar. Well, I mean, that's what, that's what happened. Hagar. That's what... Adam and Eve did in the garden was yeah. decide yeah. what was right and wrong, and that's what we do. Mm -hmm. We don't listen to Christ. We decide what's right and wrong, and we try to make that standard like your friends, and like well, everybody wouldn't be that way. Cain did the same thing. God's taking too long. I need to intervene. He's yeah, taking well, yeah. too long. Yeah, so Abram did that. I'm this is yeah. a good plan. Yeah. God's Sarah, Sarah did it just as much as Abram. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's yeah. why I say Sarah, Abraham, right. Hagar. Yeah. They were all used together. Yeah. Fixing the problem that God was so wrong. Hagar was used. Um, she chose. Yeah, but she you, chose. you still got to understand Abraham, too. He had, a child, he had a child he had to push away. You know, we talk about family like it's, you know, oh, you know, but. He had, God told him to take that child and push him away. Right. Send him away. Yeah. That's, that's rough. Mm -hmm. Well, anything else? We get to talk about perseverance, which is very good because, you know, like we were talking about at the beginning, people that are getting good works in sanctification confused with justification. Um, I think the idea of perseverance which is the proper way to see this doctrine, not once saved, always saved. <laughs> it's perseverance. Because uh, once saved, always saved turned into something just ridiculous where it means kind of like what we're talking about. Everybody's going to heaven. I mean, no matter what you what you live like and none of that, and uh, yeah, what you believe, yeah, as, long as, you, long, as long as you prayed the prayer, you're good.